lots and lots of spoilers. Welcome back, Time Cadets, or welcome forward, sideways, or from whichever variant of the time stream you currently occupy. Here at Max Mike Movies, we're right in the middle of our series, I'd Forgotten How Much I Hate Time Travel. Or maybe we haven't started yet. Yes, we definitely have, because I ain't watching Hot Tub Time Machine again. (laughs) This week's entry is Looper, a film directed by some guy named Ryan Johnson, who spells his first name weird and never really went on to direct anything famous after this, I'm pretty sure. This one's got it all. Time travel, psi powers, big guns, fancy cars, and murder. Murder. Quite a lot of murder, actually. Lots and lots of time travel-related murder. Murder. This movie tackles the question, can you use time travel to change the past? And it answers it pretty dang solidly. So join in the fun of watching Bruce Willis try to murder Joseph Gordon-Levitt's career. Uh, (laughs) I'm Max Levine, but not the one from the previous shows. No, I'm from an alternate timeline where the song Bohemian Rhapsody is .374 seconds shorter than it is in this timeline. Doesn't um, doesn't really seem to have made that much of a difference. The radio and, uh, cut. <laughs> and over there, unable to move because an Imperial battle cruiser has stopped the flow of time, <laughs> is Mike that, Luce. That's okay, because time will resume in 30, <laughs> in 30 seconds. seconds. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep, Imperial yep. battleship. That's what it is. Yep. But, Stop the... Yep. We should have watched that. Oh, yeah, well, we can, hey, never say never. We could have some other series on movies that what, that hurt us. Never. We did that. <laughs> it, was, it was a poker game. Well, we could yeah. do it again. Looper. Looper. But Looper. Uh, first, we've got the poll question from last week. Poll question. Yeah, poll question. What film role would you recast if you could recast it with anyone? You know, any movie, any actor. We had a few interesting um, answers. From Nate Castle, we have, I would recast Julie Andrews in Mary Poppins with Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. Kidding, kidding, of course. <laughs> I think that, oh, hi, Mr. Banks. <laughs> what about that strange one that we got, huh? Uh, you tang me apart, Uncle Albert. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that would totally work. To be fair, Nate Castle would recast just about anybody with Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> He has a strange fascination with Tommy Wiseau. Of all the gin joints and all the all the clubs in all the world, you walk into mine, huh? <laughs> uh, well, from no. uh, Ro- from Rob Butler. Well, originally, according to a rumor, Denzel Washington was supposed to be the big boss in Fast Seven, in other words, Fast and Furious Seven, that Charlize Theron's character worked for, but he turned it down. That would have been interesting. Uh, Denzel, good choice. <laughs> Bullet. Dodged. From the weasel. Not that it would have really mattered, but I think John Hamm would have been an excellent Batman across from Henry Cavill's Superman. I'm assuming he means in like Batman v Superman in in Superior Claims Court. This uh, episode Batman versus Superman. Wait, did we do that one? No. <laughs> oh, no, no I did that one. Yeah, you did. See that. the movie wrench episode Batman versus Superman. Interesting idea. Yeah, John John Hamm certainly has the physicality. I just think he's a little, he comes across as too likable. 
That's yeah. That's very. That's one of Batman's best known traits: being oh, yeah. likable. No, I don't know anything about him. I, I guess I know he was very big in Mad Men. Um, I, having looked at him, it's like maybe he could play cranky old Batman in a live action version of Batman Beyond. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Except at the moment he's not old enough, but they could age him up. Sure. Uh, Benjamin Javi Carl. Javi. Javi. It's spelled with a J. That's how you spelled Javi. Well, I have to agree to disagree. You, kn- <laughs> you know, I don't have a name to replace him, but Benedict Cumberbatch was a lousy con in Star Trek Into Darkness. Surely there is some competent unknown Indian actor who could have played this role rather than a distractingly famous white guy who was between blockbusters. You know, I, I got I to gotta give him that because, well, I love Benedict Cumberbatch. You know, Khan Noonien Singh <laughs> is not exactly a... a Extremely pale Britisher's name. You think why couldn't they have gone with an Indian actor? No reason. Uh, to be fair, they didn't do it the first time either. No, but at least you know you had a, you had an ethnic guy. You had Ricardo <laughs> Montalban. He was at least he wasn't you know to pe- as you that line from uh, Space Jam. You know Benedict Cumberbatch isn't white. He's clear. Yeah, I I don't mind. I thought he did fine in the role. It's just he wasn't in any way Indian. Um, and also, we've seen this before. And I'm starting to wonder, I wonder if we should do a series on J.J. Abrams to see if he can actually make a movie that wasn't somebody else's movie that he's just making again. Huh. Yeah, I'm not series. sure he can. Yes. The J.J. Abramsing. Yes. And uh, from uh, Mike's familial contact, Val, I really puzzled over this one. And while... Well, I know I've said this movie would be great except for so-and-so. The only one I could come up with was to replace Kate Capshaw with just about anyone in Temple of Doom. That's screaming. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, I'm right there with you. Quite honestly, they could have put anyone in there. They could have put Fran Drescher in there and it would have worked. <laughs> yeah, that would have been better. Uh-huh. I was thinking maybe Jay Baruchel. <laughs> Put him in a dress, <laughs> he'd be fine. <laughs> I don't know how old he was at that point. Eh, we'll remake it. Yeah, <laughs> I got fifty bucks. It's not doing oh, well. anything. So what, what about what about you, Mike? Who would you recast? What role would you recast, and with whom? Uh, you know, there's probably a lot. One of the ones that comes to mind. It's actually a series of roles. Basically, just about any time Leonardo DiCaprio plays anything directed by Martin Scorsese. Um, oh. It's not that I think Leo's a bad actor. I think he actually can be a really good actor. The problem is Scorsese seems to have this blind eye for certain parts. I didn't think he worked in The Aviator at all. Um, I didn't think he worked in Gangs of New York very well. Yeah. Uh, the film that comes to mind actually isn't a Scorsese film. It's uh, a Christopher Nolan film, and that is Inception. Inception has other problems that make it, you know... I, well, problematic. Uh, but I just felt like his character didn't have the gravitas that that role should have had. And I was mm. thinking somebody like Gabriel Byrne would have been really good. Somebody who looks like he's been through something and like this is, you know, a huge event that's really taken a toll on his life. Leonardo in that role still seems rather young. <laughs> so, how about Sorry. you? I have trouble thinking in those terms because usually to me a movie is sort of an integrated whole and I tend to have more problems with the script, the story, or the uh, the directing. But there is one I thought I thought about and that's uh, in the hit the movie in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. 
which had some really good casting. I loved Martin Freeman as Arthur Dent was great. Sam Rockwell as Zaphod, well, he didn't play it the way I would have thought. I thought he, I thought he did a great job. Even most deaf, uh, a very different take on Ford Prefect. The one I didn't like was Zoe Deschanel as Trillian. Hmm. I just didn't. Trillian is supposed to be really, really smart. She's supposed to be this smart, sort of slightly snarky, very competent but very cutting character. And Zoe Deschanel, you know, is quirky and and cute, and that's about it. I thought you were going to say, and Zoe Deschanel isn't. (laughs) Yeah, she is not. I would have liked to see someone like Anne Hathaway or Rashida Jones, someone who can come across as really clever and uh, smart. How about Emily Blunt? Emily Blunt could have done it. Mm. Uh, yep. I'm, sp- I'm starting to believe Emily Blunt could do just about anything. Yeah, so I, I'm. I'm not sure em- that there Emily Blunt. There is any part that she couldn't make better. Yeah. There's one other one I would do, and that is the part of uh, Elsa from Casablanca. I honestly think huh? I would replace uh, uh, her part with the Imperial probe droid. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> sure. You know that. I remember reading some uh, memos about that. That. Uh, uh, yeah. Universal was considering uh, replacing her with, in fact, an Imperial probe droid, but the probe droid wanted too much money. Yeah, you know, I mean, just think of those lines when she's looking deeply into Rick's eyes, and instead of what she originally said, you could hear, doesn't that bring across the pathos, the love, the... Isn't isn't that what the line is now? Well, yeah, but it's the inflection. Oh, true. (laughs) Not e-ba-da-bam-bam, but e-ba-da-bam-bam, see, see? True, the delivery. It's all in the delivery. <laughs> so uh, that that thanks for all those answers. Bumpy yeah. thanks you as well because you're going to get Bumpy Bucks, the cryptocurrency c- currency, cryptocurrency <laughs> with the crunch that punch is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Max, do we have yeah. a poll question for next week? We do. We have a poll question courtesy of our loyal listener Haley. Thank you, Ooh. Haley. So uh, and. This is interesting because normally we don't tailor the poll questions to the series, but this, I don't know, this one, now I hadn't even thought of it, but once she mentioned it, it's like, yeah, this is kind of self-evident. What would you do if you had a time machine? And consider, if you can, bo- either or both of our time travel paradigms, either you can alter the past or you can't. In either case, what would you want to observe and what would you want to change? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Haley. I think that's a, that's a real interesting one, and we'll be telling you how to respond to that at the end of the show. The way we always do. That you already know, but we're going to tell you anyway. Yep. But first, a number. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, yes. I mean, sorry, trivia. Yes, Looper. The show. So, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who plays young Joe was fitted with prosthetics and studied Bruce Willis movies, who plays old Joe, in order to play young Joe. He was so successful that Willis actually recognized his own mannerisms in the scenes together. Okay. Uh, There's a sequence where Joe falls off a fire escape. This was filmed on Joseph Gordon-Levitt's 30th birthday, and the crew left him hanging there on the stunt wires while singing happy birthday to him and wheeling out a birthday cake. Which he then fell into. I I just assume. (laughs) I think that's cute. Uh, The script originally called for Joe to actually move to Paris when he got older, which is why he spends the early scenes trying to learn French. Ryan Johnson, however, realized they didn't have the money to shoot in Paris. 
Really? He, yeah. He thought about using New Orleans as a stand-in for Paris, but kind of rejected the idea, probably because of New Orleans's noticeable lack of Eiffel Towers. You can always just draw one in. <laughs> the Chinese distributor for the film, however, offered to pay for the crew to film in Shanghai, and Johnson accepted both because it solved the Paris problem and because he thought Shanghai better reflected the future setting of the movie, but probably mostly the money. So, uh, if you can't get Paris, you can go shoot in Shanghai. Right, got yeah, it. Yeah, that sounds much cheaper. <laughs> Emily Blunt, who is in this movie, revealed she agreed to star in the movie after reading only half the script. She didn't even know what her character was. Ah. Yeah, because her character doesn't really show up until about halfway through the movie. It's true. Uh, according to the director, Noah John- uh, Ryan Johnson, Noah Segan, who plays Kid Blue, the sort of Billy the Kid wannabe, took several classes to learn how to spin his gun around his finger. Johnson told Entertainment Weekly that he filmed many, many takes of Segan spinning the four-pound gun, but ended up using the one where he really dropped it because Johnson (laughs) thought it was funny. It also fits the character better. That's, by the way, that is not a made-up gun. That is a real uh, model gun. They are these enormous... It's a model called a government... Sorry, it's actually called a BFR, which is something frame. Big sure it is. F- no, sorry, big big frame revolver, although the F is often replaced with another word you might guess. I can't imagine. Yeah, and the thing fires up to a 70 caliber round. Great. No, I can't nobody, imagine why he chose that one. Yeah, yeah no, yes, I don't think he's compensating. <laughs> uh, the cash that uh, Joe uses uh, get, gets in exchange for his silver bars has an image of Mao Zedong on it. So uh, they paid for that too, huh? Yeah, I guess. Except it's an it makes it's an interesting sort of sub question about what kind of money are they using in this city. Uh, also, in the future, we see that the rainmakers' henchmen dress in black overcoats and wide-brimmed cowboy hats. During the shots of Sid's boyhood bedroom, there's a poster for Bad Bob and an action figure on the desk wearing the same outfit. Ah. So that's where he got it. There's other stuff. Mostly it's about how, you know, where Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis work together and how many time travel movies Bruce Willis and Emma Blunt, Emily Blunt have done, but uh, I wasn't interested, so. Yeah. Good call. Thank you. So now, if you would, regale us with the tale of Looper. Okay, deep breath. (laughs) I meant me, but okay. (laughs) The year, 2044. The the place, the city of Crapville. A a crime-ridden rat hole filled with dead cars, random shooting, and random shootings where nobody seems to have a last name. Our protagonist is Joe. Just Joe. Played by... uh, Joe, Gordon Levitt, Joe is a looper, a very specialized kind of trigger man. You see, in 2044, time travel doesn't exist yet, but it will in about 30 years, where it also is so illegal that the only ones who use it are massive, vicious, nameless, bloodthirsty criminal organization, some of whom, judging by their outfits, are a particularly nasty future version of the Amish. (laughs) <laughs> Unfortunately for the poor, hard-working murderers of the future, it's almost impossible to get rid of bodies due to the advanced forensic science of the future. So they take their victims, tie them, gag them, put a bag over their heads, strap a bunch of silver bars to their backs as payment, and zorch them to the past through a time bathosphere. 
uh, to a point where a looper is waiting for them to shoot them with a rather silly-looking blunderbuss. Sometimes, however, the victim turns out to be the looper himself, which signals a final payout and the looper's retirement, secure in the knowledge that in 30 years he will be killed by himself. That's called closing the loop. Great job. Where do I sign up? Joe is content with his life of partying, taking narcotic visine, and <laughs> pretending his relationship with a, hooker, with a hooker is real, until one day a victim appears when Joe is waiting, and it's Joe himself, 30 years older. Joe is naturally stunned to realize that he will grow up to be Bruce Willis, so old <laughs> Joe manages to slip away. It turns out a super evil crime boss called the Rainmaker is taking over all of the evil crime in the future and having all of the loopers killed. Old Joe has decided to pull a Terminator and come back in time to kill the Rainmaker as a child, making sure that old Joe's wife doesn't get killed and, I don't know, other stuff. So young Joe goes after old Joe, old Joe goes after the kid, and Emily Blunt chops up a stump because in 2044, axes are still a thing. Mm. That's Looper. The Lowdown. And now, the discussion of Looper. Yeah. Here on the same station. Yeah, that uh, that uh, evil, nasty Visine drug, well, at least it gets the red out. Oh, wait, no, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, in fact, it seems to implant it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, a lot of those, the touches of 2044 are kind of interesting. The <laughs> fact that, yeah, that's the, the drug is, is all eye drops, which is, sure. you know, leaves no track marks. Uh, my uh, first note, though, was 2044 looks like crap. <laughs> yeah, it's just, and all these dead cars from, I don't know, 30 years ago are still sitting there, and yeah. there's the there's one or two sort of futuristic-looking vehicles, including the flying motorcycles. Yeah, which sounds exactly like various things from Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, 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 they, there was a sort of forest moon of Endor feel about a couple of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the future because they tell us to. I would like to say that the opening is exceedingly sudden because what we see is young Joe standing mm-hmm. in a cornfield in front of a tarp. Suddenly somebody appears, he shoots them, and we cut to the credits. And yeah. Like, well, thank you it's for very, telling us a lot about this movie. It's very sudden. No, it's actually very dramatic and very sudden, and it gets you interested. Like, well, what then, the hell's, what's happening? Yeah. Well, then we know what's happening because there's this long bit of uh, narrated exposition. Yes, where Joe explains that his ex-wife used to call him sushi. Uh, no. Oh, wait, sorry, wrong movie. <laughs> yeah. No, we get to find out what the heck a looper is and why this time travel thing is happening and who's using it and the amazingly intelligent use they came up with for it. Yeah, yeah I gotta say, yeah. of all the uses, we, we've talked a lot about, you know, how do you use time travel? You know, passing your history class or... <laughs> yeah. You know, trying, trying to fix your life. This is basically a way to dispose of bodies. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. My question was, how did this get set up? Is it Abe? Was it all Abe's idea? Because we do run into uh, Jeff Daniels, who plays Abe, who is the crime boss of Crapville, and is from the future. He's from 30 years ahead. We don't know... How he got back, we don't know why he came back, but he's taken over. And uh, we don't know if, uh, we don't know what the scale of this is either. It, are there looper operations in every major city? Is it just this one? 
I don't know. I my feeling was that the reason he came back was stuff wasn't going right and it wasn't being run very well. So we're going to send somebody from the home office. Mm. I want to leave the time travel specifically into this to a little later because I think it's going to be lengthy. <laughs> um, there's a lot of exposition in this film. So that's one thing they, they prepare you for right off because Joseph Gordon-Levitt narrating this film as Joe in a move I haven't seen since... Um, Tony Danza in basically anything because uh, <laughs> yeah. he always seems to play somebody named Tony, and that's not fair to Joseph Gordon-Levitt as an actor who actually do like. He's very work. talented, yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, he exposes, exposits, exposits the film because otherwise we really couldn't figure this out on our own. It wouldn't no. make a lot of sense. Then um, once we found out how looping works, he says, "Oh, by the way, out of nowhere." People developed the ability to telekinesis things using their mind yeah. to move things. There's no, it's just basically we see a billboard, you know, like Denton, the home of happiness, by yeah. the way, enjoy your TK. Yeah, he says and, about 10% of the population developed telekinesis. Right. Because. Yeah. Yeah. No reason, uh, just happens. Later on, this will be an issue mm. with the person who becomes the rainmaker. Spoiler! Um, the little kid who has the Damien powers. Um, but I gotta say, there is no explanation for this mm. at all. It's just, oh, by the way, at some point this happened. Isn't it cool? Yeah, that's a pretty major mutation to show up in only, you know, 30 years from the time this movie was made. Never mind regularly. Mm. So 10% of the population, that's a big number. That's a huge Wait. number. I wonder if it means everyone who's gay. No, well. Uh, <laughs> are you gay? You have mental powers you didn't know about. I'm trying to move my mouse and nothing's happening. Um, so they don't, not only do they not explain this, I want to ask you a question about this, Max. Yeah. If they removed the TK from the movie, would it have mattered? A little, because it's a setup for the rainmaker cuz yeah spoilers it turns out the rainmaker is some kind of psionics god okay and it would have just come out of nowhere it's like oh by the way this this guy was born with magic superpowers but if we took that magic superpower out of the film entirely would it really matter could the rainmaker have still done what he did on his own kaiser so say uh, or not sure you could have made a whole thing about he was really smart or just incredibly organized or just really being just a really good criminal. But yeah, they have to bring the magic powers in. I'm not sure that benefits. I don't think, I don't know if that helps. I mean, the only thing it really does is it allows the kid to look evil and do some scary things. Um, it's more dramatic and it looks cool, but yeah, it also, I remember I had an old film professor who talked about the one wonder rule said, if you're going to have science fiction, unless you're just going all the way out and it's space battles and stuff, it's really hard to have more than one unusual thing. If you have time travel, you can't have invisibility. If you're going to have teleportation, you shouldn't have aliens. Yeah. Now, this has, I have found this to, be, to not be true in a lot of movies. I just think you have to be but careful. You do have to be very careful because time travel and telekinesis, they don't really have anything to do with each other. No. It's not like, oh, yeah, be, through telekinesis we discovered time travel, or through time travel we... They're just like, well, we have this thing and this thing. And it's kind of jarring, because they don't, they don't fit. It's like there's, there isn't an overall... It's kind of clumsy world building. They yeah. don't integrate. 
Well, not only that, but you could easily... So the few scenes that matter with the telekinesis, the first one is we see um, the kid and his mother being threatened by one of the looper gang or whatever they want to be called. And he, the kid falls down the stairs, which causes him to become angry and upset. And his power lashes out. They could have rewritten that scene where basically young Joe just saves the day. Like it doesn't have any bearing on it. The end result would have been the same. The TK doesn't play anything into the plot. And then at the end of the film, when the kid is about to go crazy and it looks like, Oh, my powers and stuff. And he kind of slows evil old Joe down, it could have been literally something else. It could have yeah. been a grenade. It could, it, it really has no bear. And the Rainmaker being successful, I, I'm sorry, I, plenty of criminals have proven that they can be successful without yeah. superpowers. In fact, I would say all of them have proven. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, would, I think it would be hard pressed to find one successful criminal today who has superpowers. At yes. least I hope not. Yeah, I, I just, I wouldn't have even bothered, I don't understand why it's there. It really is just a head-scratcher. So, um, other things too, without getting to, into the mechanics of the time travel, which I want to hold off, they say that it is so illegal, so illegal, only the highest criminal gangs use it. And I want to say right now, outlawing time travel is probably the best reaction to time travel yeah. we've seen yet. Uh, yeah. Especially because, and we'll talk about this later, in this movie, it is absolutely possible to, to alter the past. We see it many times to, to change the past and immediately affect the future. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, we will. <laughs> but uh, but the thing is, is that they only somehow, and this is the weird part, so somebody discovers time travel, and somehow the only people who have access to it are basic mob gangs. Like, there's no mention of the government doing anything well, with it. Well, hang on. To be fair, we're getting everything through the lens of Joe's perception. And Joe is not the smartest bulb on the Christmas tree, nor is he as plugged in. He's obviously not really interested in the rest of the world. We don't know what's happening in the rest of the world. Maybe the government is time-traveling all over the place. Which you would think they would do to get rid of, of these course. Who are using time travel. Well, but, of yeah. course they would be using it if you can change the past. They'd be going back and changing elections. They'd be going back and erasing their mistakes or high, or covering things up or doing whatever. Or, you know, ideally, maybe they'd go back and uh, help things. But honestly, you're right. The most sensible thing about with time travel is not is to not use it. Yeah. I, it just, when you said earlier, clumsy world building because of the TK, this to me goes along with the clumsy, and I actually generally hate world building. The reason I hate world building is when world building is something that you specifically notice, wow, that movie had great world building. No, the world should not be a character. The world should be something no, that don't you know. don't even look no. at. The world I, don't, should be I don't agree with that. I don't wait, wait, agree. Let me finish. Yeah. Let me finish. So the world should be something you don't even look at, that you don't even think twice about, because it's so solidly built that it doesn't need to be looked at. So Lord of the Rings, great world building. We look at things. That's a really cool place. That's a really cool place. We don't sit there and think, well, what's the government of, of uh, with Denethor? What's it actually like? It um, doesn't matter. I think you will find on the internet many, many people have done that. But it doesn't, you don't have to have that to enjoy the story. Yeah. The world is solid enough. It is in the mind of the author so that it's, it, it is a solid enough done thing that it doesn't need to take center stage. And that's where I hate world building is when it's like, look at the cool world we've built. No, I want to hear the story. I want to hear the characters. The world should support the characters, not yeah. the other way around. Right. Um, and here, 
the only reason we notice the world building is because it's bad. <laughs> eh, I don't know if it's... I don't think it's bad. I think... Uh, I mean, I think the addition of the psionics is, is unnecessary, but uh, the rest of it, I think it's an interesting idea. Which? Uh, the whole... The way they utilize the time travel, or at least the way we get this slice of it. I think it's one of the least uses of time travel I've ever heard. It's like, let's take out the trash with time! Okay, I mean, if you're able to hide time travel from the authorities, you can't hide a dead body. Really? We still mm. haven't found, uh, what's his name? Um, Jimmy Hoffa? Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> so I'm just saying, and we don't have time travel that we know of. So it's like, this is what you're going to use it for? To just get rid of people? And to be fair, for all we know, every person they got rid of that we see is a looper. So mm. it's like you're getting rid of the people who get rid of people who get rid of everyone. Right. Okay. I mean, if that's the mm. best you're going to do, I don't know. But uh, in terms of just nitpicking, there are a couple of things in this movie that make me think Ryan Johnson has never e never used a gun in his life and <laughs> okay. knows nothing about them for two things. One, when Bruce Willis appears, now again, when the victims of the Loopers appear, they're wearing a plastic vest, and on their back, there are pouches with a number of silver, or in the case of when you're closing a loop, you get a final payment of gold bars. Now, Joe, old Joe, just to stop himself getting killed, whips around so that uh, young Joe shoots him in the back with his blunderbuss and hits the gold bars. Okay, gold can stop bullets. Sure, it's dense enough. If you, it's that whole magic bulletproof vest that always bothers me. It's the same thing when you see people in the movies or on TV. They're wearing a bulletproof vest. They get shot. They stagger, they stagger back, and then they're fine. Or that they get knocked down and get right back up. A bulletproof vest does not protect you from the impact. All a bulletproof vest does is ideally keeps you from being killed. If you get shot while wearing one, it is still like being hit in the chest with a sledgehammer, or in this case, the back. You don't just get up and walk it off. It will at the very least knock you out. Most of your ribs will break. Maybe a lung will collapse. You don't walk away from it. And Bruce Willis gets shot and jumps right back up. It's like, well, no. Also, they specifically call that a blunderbuss. Like, they bring back a term for guns mm -hmm. that has not been used in a long, long time. Does that mean, because I don't know this, I'm asking seriously, does that mean that it has shot, or it has? it's not just a bullet, but it's a spread of some sort? It's probably a variant of a shotgun. A blunderbuss, one of the things about it is you could put almost anything in the old, you know, 18th century uh, <laughs> blunderbuss. You could. You, they use rocks, bent nails. Silverware, small children. Yeah. <laughs> Anything, but it's also true. The thing about a blunderbuss is it's only effective at very short range. It loses a lot of penetrating power, and it has no accuracy beyond, I don't know, 30 or 40 feet. Well, they even say that in the film. It's something like within 15 feet or whatever, yeah. you can't miss, but anything past that you can't hit. Yeah, which it would have will... spread at that range. It wouldn't have just hit Bruce Willis in that small area on his back. Well, that's what I was going to ask, too, is yeah. like, wouldn't it also probably hit him in the back of the head yeah or at least the back of the legs and also the the gold the bars aren't flush there there's space between them yeah he would have been uh, if not killed he would have been really badly hurt the other thing that i know this is a very small thing but at one point young joe has a vault in his floor where he keeps his extra silver and at one point he pushes pushes billy the kid or excuse me kid <laughs> blue into it slams the thing shut locks him in it's a small space 
that you know, one person could fit in it, and the kid takes out that ridiculous hand cannon and starts shooting through the door. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, he's blown out his eardrums. Oh, wow. Yeah, I never thought of that. He, oh, God, that's why you have to wear ear covering even when you're at a range, even if you're using a small gun. That gigantic thing, and then we heard the noise. It's not like it's magic 2044 gunpowder that doesn't make noise. It's you know, loud booms, and he empties the thing. He hmm. would be deaf. I, I don't mean he just wouldn't be hearing. He'd have blown out, he'd have ripped the tympanic membrane. He'd, be, he'd never hear again. Well, he's already dumb. Yeah, uh, he, he, is dumb, <laughs> he is dumb as a bag of hammers. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I'd like to, if we're doing nit- nitpicks, uh, yeah. this is this is kind of the, why in the world would you do that? So the the mobsters of the future, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, they have their, their loopers who are their, their assassins, essentially. Yeah. Um, I, the other guys have to catch them, but these guys literally, like, they pop into existence and they're shot dead instantly. That's fine. Um, but they decide to close a looper's contract by sending the older version back of the looper to himself. Yeah. And they even talk about, because there is exposition for this, how if you ever try and let yourself go, let Frog go! <laughs> um, this is bad and they will hunt you down and kill you. So I have two yeah. questions. One, why would you let the person who you have to kill kill themselves? I have so, that same question. Why wouldn't you send a looper that you wanted to get rid of to another looper? Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't know who you are. Blam! Like, you just send the gold with whomever the current contact is. You, they kill them, they find the gold, and it's like, oh, well, I guess that's that. Like, that's the only message you need. And someone else has killed me. Yeah. Right. Um, but so there's that point, too. So, like... If this is an issue, why do you do this? Yeah. The second question I have is, if this happens, how does somebody know? Yeah, that's true. Like, uh-oh, he didn't complete his contract. How do you know? It's 30 years in the future. If the person is really stupid, they are now in the front page of every newspaper, living the high life, whatever. But if they have any smarts at all, they're hiding and no one will ever know. They'll Who leave town. Yeah, there's yeah. no... <laughs> There's no, like, no one's been chipped. There's nothing about cell phone tracking. They don't have, they're not in the system anymore. Or if they are, they're effectively duplicated. Or they won't be in the system yeah. for 30 years. So yeah. No, it doesn't I, make, it doesn't make a lot of sense. No, that, that was just, I no. mean, it's, it's sort of nitpicking. It's sort of not. It's one of those things. It's just like, if you, basically, if you don't trust the person to be in charge of themselves, don't let them be in charge of themselves. It's very simple to reassign. Here's a new piece of paper. You're yeah. Done. Now, um, but before we get to the time travel, I'd like to talk to about this a little as a movie. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I think the performance, what do you think of the performances? I think the acting is really good in this. Bruce Willis is Bruce Willis. He's fine. Yeah. Um, I think Emily Blunt is terrific. Let's, let's pause on her. Emily why? Blunt. Why? Because Emily Blunt is better than good. She's yummy and not, not bad. bad. <laughs> no, so Emily Blunt, we just saw her in yeah. another film. And I think she's an actor that I haven't really considered as much as I should because I make fun of a number of British actors doing American accents mm. because they don't tend to do it very well. Ah, did um, you know Socrates was a philosopher? Oh, yeah, his <laughs> name has an S in it. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Dr. Strange, I'm looking kind of right at you. And Emily Blunt, for one thing, I didn't realize it was her because I don't, I, I don't think I'd seen as many Emily Blunt films when I originally saw this as I'm, when I'm rewatching it. There's not an instant where I don't think she's from, you know, the, the plains of, of the United States. Yes, the outer, the outer plains of Crapville. 
Yeah. And I look at her in this and I look at her in Mary Poppins and I look at her in other things. And I think the reason I wanted to pause was she has a much bigger range than I thought she did. Now, this is not her issue. This is my issue. I haven't really paid enough attention. No, she's to terrific. She ha- she really can do everything. She can do comedy. She can do drama. And yes, she does a flawless American accent. But she also has this great mix of strength and vulnerability. She has the great front and that the only problem with the front is when somebody who actually is tough confronts her and it's like, yeah, you're, you, you can't sell newspapers on the street corner. No one's buying this, but anybody else, like she, she's having to fend off vagrants that come to the farm because she's trying to protect her son and she's alone. And I'm willing to bet everybody else takes off Mm. like they buy it, but the way she plays it, that's you as an audience can see that. And that actually impressed me enough to like, wow, let's talk about Emily Blunt. So that's why I wanted to pause. Not for a bad thing. I thought she was really good. Mm. Um, there's she, a bunch of other people. Je- uh, Jeff Daniels is in this. He's fine. Yeah, no, he does a nice job. I, I like that kind of, he, he pulls off that genial crime Lord that, you know, iron fist and the velvet glove thing really well. He's like, I'm folksy and homey and down, you know, down to earth, but I will straight up murder your ass in the most horrible way possible if I don't like you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the kid who plays kid blues, fine, whatever. Um, other, other various gangsters, fine. Then Joseph Gordon Levitt. I think he's doing his best to come off as um, an older Bruce Willis or a younger Bruce Willis. The problem I have is that his makeup is so bizarre. It is a little bit. I, I couldn't help but stare at it. Like, why are you got lipstick all the time? And when Bruce Willis finally shows up, it's like Bruce Willis's lips are very pale. They're very pale. And it's just and there's one point where he's actually talking with Jeff Daniels because Jeff Daniels has realized something is up TM with a friend of that has not shot his own 30 year older self. And he knows or he guesses that Joe is hiding him. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt is leaning back and he's got this weird squint and this weird grin that just make me think he's doing his best De Niro. <laughs> like, it's just weird. Um, so I, 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 I'm not sold on the let's have him play Bruce Willis thing. I think a lot of the time he does a good job. It's when he is very consciously trying to do Bruce Willis, like when they're, they're in scenes together. Uh-huh. And I swear a couple of times it looks like they're actors doing the mirror exercise. Uh-huh. But otherwise, I think he does a really good job. I love his interactions with Emily Blunt. Yeah. Where I- he know, he, in some ways, he, know, he can tell, yeah, she's smarter than me. And then as they go along... Damn it, this five-year-old kid is smarter than me. <laughs> the five-year-old kid, so I yeah, think Sid. the kid is a... Sid, I think is a, he's going to grow up to uh, be in a punk band, I think. Uh, he or <laughs> grow up to be uh, uh, Gary Oldman, which is weird, but there you go. Huh. Uh, the kid, I think, the thing that they kind of don't deal with enough is it's not that the Rainmaker has TK, which he does for unknown reasons. It's that the kid's really smart. Yeah, they hint at that. They make it, you know, because a kid can, like, build things that are way beyond, and he's doing multiplication that's way beyond a five-year-old level. But he's also, like, he just understands people mm, really well. He gets Um, that he believes Joe is fundamentally a good person, which ultimately we find out he is. Yeah. Although... Uh, that's only because he doesn't turn into Bruce Willis. Well, <laughs> but what, we're we're getting to that. I honestly do want to get to that, uh, and we'll get to it soon. Uh, mm. So the acting's fine. I don't really have any problem with the acting. Um, the directing, 
to me didn't stand out one way or the other. I thought, well, which I thought was good. It was, it was because it was focusing on the story. The directing didn't distract. I think the pacing is good. I think it moves along nicely. I think the pacing's good up till they get to the farm. And once we're dealing with just the two of them, Joe and I'm sorry, I forget uh, Emily Blunt's character's name. Uh, Sarah. Sarah, thank you. Oh yeah, yeah, Sarah. Connor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I felt like the film kind of ground to a halt. Like when they're doing just intercharacter stuff, I sort of felt like, okay, it's an action film, right? We're gonna have some, some, some action, and the action would be like, now we cut to Bruce Willis killing children. Okay, well, <laughs> if that's your directorial choice, you go right ahead. Thank you for not showing it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a disturbing aspect of this. Bruce Willis actually does. He has three kids that he thinks could potentially be the rainmaker, and as far as we know. He kills two of them. He actually goes yeah. and shoots two small five-year-old children. Yeah, because suddenly like, we're in the Terminator. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, too, is I had an idea. Um, why don't you just kill the guy who creates time travel? <laughs> oh, but that would be a paradox. Oh, wait. Yeah, we're getting to that. Yeah, this yeah. one, this movie is loaded with paradox. I would say, too, that the, the romance in this film is literally thrust together because there's one point where the two of them just kind of look at each other, don't say anything, and then the clothes go flying, and they literally leap on each other, and it's like, wow, hormones of the future, I hey, guess. Hey, I actually bought, well, first off, I bought that because of Emily Blunt. I just got the, she was really good at projecting, this was a woman who'd been alone for a long time and was very lonely and just really needed a little peace and a little distraction and you know joe was like ah okay <laughs> i mean it was just short of yakety sax or no, yakety sex not, in this case not quite. Uh, i don't i don't think so i think it was more like wow emily blunt wants me in bed okay well yeah you know okay i mean to be fair i mean without the weird bruce willis clown makeup joseph gordon levitt's a nice enough looking guy i don't think he's like model handsome but he's a nice enough looking guy um but whatever so and then we're on the farm and then the Terminator shows up and whatever, whatever. Um, I also, well, let's ask our, our talking point questions. And we'll leave the, the big one for the last, if, if that's okay. All right. So is this a good use of time travel? Well, you've been saying all through it that you clearly don't think so. No. Uh, I think it's a use. I don't think it's particularly imaginative or clever. Well, actually, no. It is imaginative in terms of the movie. I don't know any other movie that uses it that way. True. I mean, the only other place I've seen recently that uses time travel as a way to get rid of people was Loki. <laughs> wow, and that one, whew, let's not map that one out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but uh, uh, I think it's, narratively, I think it's an interesting use. I, I do. As a, as a movie, we don't see it, I haven't seen it anywhere else, so it's, a, it's original, it's a clever idea. If you look at it actually in terms of any sense of logic, no, this is an unbelievably <laughs> stupid idea. I mean, it's incredibly dumb. You know why? Because I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. <laughs> because we already know that doing, that changing the, that you can alter the past uh, and it will change the future, and you are dumping your enemies into the past. And you and you know, you know, that some of them get away. What if one of these enemies who knows who you are does what Bruce Willis is doing? It's like, hi, I'm going to take one of a mortal enemy, 
throw him back where I'm into my vulnerable childhood and let him go lo loose. Because what if the what if the blunderbuss misfires? What if the guy? What if the looper? What if the looper's car breaks down? <laughs> they never talk about that. There's so much that can go wrong with these plans. It's really dumb. It's like, oh, I'm just going to mess around with the fabric of causality because I don't, I don't own enough quick lime to dissolve a body. <laughs> Thank come you, Parrot. Come on. <laughs> okay, see, so yes, <clears throat> but no. No. Did time travel make for a cohesive plot? Yeah, I think it did. Um, with, if you accept the rules of the movie... Uh, I think it worked. I mean, it's, it's, it's integral to the plot, and I think it holds together. I think the psi powers mess it up a little, but not enough. Not so, not so much. I think it did. What, what do you think? No. Huh? Uh, I think the plot works. It's the time travel that doesn't work. I'm going to put these two next questions together, because yeah. that's the big part. Does time travel make sense in this story, and is the idea of paradox addressed? No and no. So I don't think it makes sense. And it's not that they don't address paradox. They just don't they care. Just, they just make a giant one. Yeah, the okay? whole movie is in effect a paradox. None of the movie makes any sense. Because yeah. as soon as Joe doesn't live out those 30 years, he never becomes yeah. old Joe, and therefore the movie never happens. Yeah, we're, gonna, <laughs> we're getting into serious spoilers. We're going to kind of ruin the ending. Yeah. Now... <clears throat> Old, young Joe realizes... Okay, old Joe is there to kill the Rainmaker, young Sid. Right. Because Sid has massive psychic powers. I mean, most of the people, by the way, most of the telekinetics can move like a quarter mm. and just hover it. And uh, even Sarah is a telekinetic, and she can move like a lighter. She can move small things. Sid can rip apart a human body, can toss furniture around like it's styrofoam. He's, he's orders of magnitude more powerful. You know, he's Gene Gray here. He's Phoenix. He can do anything. So that's where why he becomes apparently so powerful, because he took over the gangs by himself in the future, we're told. Which doesn't seem to be possible. You need an army. Okay. Bruce Willis is assuming, and he's come back because he says, oh, the Rainmaker is evil and has to be destroyed because he's inherently evil. It's an interesting sort of nature-nurture thing. He believes that the Rainmaker just has to be destroyed. Young Joe realizes the thing that turned the Rainmaker evil was watching his mother get shot and then having to run away alone. That's what broke him. That's what turned him into a monster. And Young Joe realizes the way to save the future, to, to in effect, not let the Rainmaker be created, is keep Sarah alive. So she can, because she loves him. She, she loves Sid, and she'll raise him as a loving mother, and that will, in effect, defuse him, because fundamentally, he's a nice kid. Joe likes him. He doesn't want to hurt people. He just doesn't know how to control it. So Joe, when, right when old Joe is about to kill Sarah, and he sees that, young Joe realizes that's what does it. That's what's going to do it. When Joe, so young Joe kills himself. And old Joe blinks out of existence. Which makes absolutely no sense. We've already seen, by the way, that what affects the past self instantly affects the future self. The Sort of the Marty McFly syndrome. One of the, lo the, the loopers we see who, you know, his buddy Expositiono lets, <laughs> lets his 30-year-old self go, 
They then catch, the guy's name's Seth, they catch young Seth, and they begin torturing him. And as old Seth is running around, like suddenly he looks at his arm and he has a scar on his wrist of an arrow pointing up his forearm. And he rolls up his sleeve and there's a message scarred on his arm because they've been cutting the scars into young Seth's arm. So now old Seth has this scar that he didn't have 10 seconds ago. And they begin cutting off young Seth's fingers and old Seth's fingers disappear. Like, okay... So what you are doing to the past self instantly manifests not just in the future, but on the body of the future self who's now in the present? Well, there's two big problems, one of which is it wouldn't happen a little at a time. Everything would just literally fall off. Yeah. He would and, just... Or actually, the old one would never make it because the past... The future doesn't have to catch up to the past. It doesn't work that way. And also, are you telling us that you've actually you're going to keep this guy alive for thirty years? Yeah, it's pretty obvious they're going to they kill Seth at the end, and so none of it would have happened. And again, right. if Young Joe shoots himself in twenty forty four, he doesn't. Li he couldn't have lived out the life that would have got made old Joe come back and set up the events that would have brought him out to the farm. Everything would have been erased. And he wouldn't be able to narrate the movie because <laughs> mm. they never explained that either. Nope. Yeah. And the whole, even if you, uh, so the time travel is you can't, if you're wanting to say that there's different timelines, then Joe coming back makes no difference because he's never going to affect his own timeline anyway, because he can't go back to it. Mm. But they don't address that at all. Um, they just say you go back to the past and 30 years ago and blah, 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 blah. Um, any causality here can't be examined. And honestly, you have to, because when you get to the end of the film, you're kind of like, wait, what just happened? Wait, why did that work? Oh, but wait, if he kills himself now, then he isn't older than, uh, huh? <laughs> it, it bears absolutely no scrutiny no, at all. No, it doesn't hold up to anything. I mean, it, quite honestly, I was more distracted by hot tub time machines. <laughs> sure, a can of Russian energy drink? Yeah, I buy that. Why not? <laughs> but whatever. Yeah, yeah. There, the causality yeah. still sort of works. Yeah, uh, but uh, no, this uh, this feel. Yeah, it, it doesn't work. The time travel is not. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's it's one of the reasons that we wanted to do this series because our although we didn't really state it in the beginning. Our general thesis is that time travel doesn't work. Mm. and Narratively, few, yeah. Yeah, the few times that it quote-unquote works, usually it's because you've got a story that's so cool or so enjoyable that you don't care, which is fine. We've talked about that before. We've talked about if you can tell a story well enough, people won't notice and it doesn't matter because they're, they're invested and you're telling a good story. You're willing to let things go. And I don't think this is necessarily a bad story. It's just that there's certain really clunky parts that allow you the time to go, hey, wait a minute. And it's then then it's just falls apart, utterly falls apart. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm uh, I'm out of my notes. Me too. I'm, I'm good. The Roundup. So, Max. Yeah. Had, did you see this when it came out? I saw it in the theater when it came out. Yeah, me too. What did you think then? Do you remember? I know it was like 10 years ago. I, I felt pretty much similar. I thought, this was a really neat idea, but that's what it felt like was, hey guys, here's this cool idea, and that's all I got. I, I got, it's like, here's this idea, 
Don't think about it at all. I mean, at all, at all. Yeah. We'll blind you with lots of action and gunplay and stuff, except there isn't enough of that to really distract from it. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think it's a cool idea. I, I, do th- I, like the perform- I like the actors in it. I like the way it looks. But the story doesn't hold together, and the time travel doesn't make any sense. I yeah. mean, more so than time travel usually doesn't. Uh, yeah, I, I, I still feel the same way. I think my, my main feeling of this is, you know, nice try. Yeah. But, but I don't think it's not a disaster. It comes close, but it just doesn't work. What about you? Same thing. Yeah. I saw it in the theater and neat idea. I think one of the problems is that the, it's the identity, the job of Joe that's one of the biggest problems. Yes, the time travel doesn't make sense. But what if Joe was working for a positive agency? And that they're like, look, we need people to do this thing involving Time Machine. We can't tell you anything about it. But when you've completed your job, then we have to, like, see to your end or something like that. The whole mobster thing, when you sit there and you say, well, only mobsters have access to this. And it's like, I don't believe you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, when when we see the Time Machine, it kind of honestly looks like an old cement mixer with a bunch of... Radio Shack parts glued to it. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like it has to be in some giant, you know. Yeah, it's lab hidden in a warehouse somewhere where there's a shootout because there yeah, you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and let's face it, Bruce Willis can't have been the only person to use the thing for nefarious, you know, jump in it and go click, click, click. I'm back yeah. to the past. Um. So yeah, and the time travel is just it's it makes you just blink and go no, I don't think so. Um, and it's a shame because I think there are some quality elements. You know, again, the acting's really good. Emily Blunt, if you don't know Emily Blunt, like I didn't particularly know her, she's well worth looking for um, because her range is really quite broad, especially uh, even in her younger parts. And I look forward to seeing more of her. I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He doesn't do a lot. I think he actually directed a movie recently. Like he's doing both yeah. sides of the camera. Um, good for him. Um, I've liked him in general. Everything I did. The makeup was weird. Didn't care for that so much, mm. but I guess I see why they did it. Um, I just kept staring at his upper lip. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so not... Uh, not my yeah. favorite time travel movie ever, but Max, yeah. if you would do us a huge, huge favor, I'll give you extra one bucks, could you uh, go over the poll question and let people know how they can contact us, not texting us, <laughs> uh, and answer the poll question so that they can win bumpy bucks? No. Uh, oh. Because you want me to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, uh, the, time, the question for next week, again, brought to us by Haley, is uh, if you had a time machine... And no other technology, by the way. No magic translator, no cloaking device, just a time machine. What would you do with it? In, e- in the case of either that you could change the past or couldn't change the past. What would you do? What would you want to see? And, uh, of course, you can answer this by going to our website, maxmikemovies.com, and leaving a comment. Or you can email us at us at maxmikemovies.com. Uh, we'll be post. You can uh, answer on the social networks of uh, Facebook or Twitter under Max Mike Movies. And, uh, Mike always posts the uh, question there. And of course, you can listen to us on the podcast app of your choice. And of course, you can call Mike in the middle of the night no! directly on his personal phone number, which I will now give you. I will erase every bumpy buck you've ever thought of. <laughs> and I'll put this up on the website, too, along with the, along with the IP address of the hidden webcam I have in Mike's room. Fired. 
forever. <laughs> but uh, before, well, in time to distract Mike, Mike, why don't you just forget about the hidden webcam and tell us what uh, movie are we going to watch next week? What hidden webcam? Uh, exactly. Ah. So next week, I have a choice. There's two films that I'm thinking about watching for this show, and I finally decided that I don't know which one I'm going to choose. <laughs> I'm Great, torn. Because we're professionals. I'm torn. There's two yeah, that's films. Gonna, that's going to cost you a lot of bumpy bucks there. It is. And uh, I'm stalling. This is what we call stalling. It's a uh, it's a radio term. You oh, wouldn't yeah. know it, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, so, um, time travel. I think that we are going to watch X-Men, Days of Future Past. Uh. One of the most beloved tales <laughs> of the old X-Men, the old John Byrne, Chris Claremont years. Yep, that is that was one of the one of the great issues. Or... Utterly faithfully adapted. Oh yeah, for completely movies. faithfully adapted. Yes. <laughs> Just like they did Sin City. It's literally oh, yeah. panel to panel. You, you need to see this and hold the comic next to it. You won't be able to tell them apart. That is. And yeah. if you'd like to hear some more lies, tune in next <laughs> week when we look at X-Men Days of Future Past. By the way, I ain't gonna play Sin City. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Thank you.